This morning, I want to start a series of messages called Fishers of Men. And we're going to talk about something that Jesus did with the very first disciples and that he's still doing with you and me. And that is he's calling us to be on mission with him for people in the world. People that he loves, people that he died for, people that he rose from the dead for, people that he wants to see in heaven and that he wants to live with eternally, just like he's going to with us. In Matthew chapter 4, verse 19, Jesus was calling some of his disciples to him. And these were the words of Jesus. He said, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Well, that's an interesting phrase. It's not a phrase that you and I would normally use in our culture, in our world. It's not even an American phrase, this phrase, fishers of men. It's really a biblical term. It's a term that Jesus used. And so it requires for you and I to dig a little deeper into what that means to be a fisher of men. So let me use something, an illustration this morning to help us discover what that might mean. I'm going to use the idea of being a fisher of fish to parallel this. You might know what it means to catch fish or what it means to be a fisherman and, and what it entails to be a fisherman. And so I, I brought some stuff to, to help us understand that a little bit better. I brought my tackle box. And in my tackle box, I have all these little plastic things that keep my lures and my baits uh, normally water-free. And it helps them all be organized so that I can find them when I need them. And I thought I'd show a couple of them to you this morning uh, because this is how I fish. When I go fishing, I'm trying to attract fish to my bait. And I have all kinds of baits in my box that help me with different kinds of fish and help me with different applications, different spots on the lake, different depths, different areas where I'm trying to fish for fish. Uh, the first thing that I have are what are called soft plastics. These are soft plastics. They're, they're little wiggly things. And you take a big hook like this one that I can't grab, like this one, and you put it on your soft plastic. And there's all kinds of soft plastics. There's brown ones like this that have a little gray speck in them and a little wiggly tail. There's ones that are just kind of plain, like this one. This one looks like a worm. It's just green and white. It actually works pretty well. Then there's this one that's kind of a darker green. It's called watermelon. It's got red flakes and black flakes in it. It's okay. Then there are ones like this. This one looks like a frog. See the frog legs? They kind of wiggle and jiggle, and the fish says, ooh, fried frog legs. I need those. Yum. Then there's this one. This one looks like a salamander. If a lake has salamanders around it, then this one works great. It swims along the along the top of the water, and it looks just like a salamander, and it, um, it catches fish too. This is called a tube bait, and it looks like nothing in a lake. But you know what's interesting? It works. I don't know why it works, but it works. They say it looks like a crawdad. I don't know. All I know is it catches fish, so I use it. 
Then I have some of these lures, and these lures you don't want to poke yourself with, like I just did. This is a topwater lure. It goes on the top of the water, and it flops around and makes a bunch of noise. The front of it makes a bunch of noise. It's all red, which makes it look like it's bleeding. And so what, with this one, you're, you're fabricating a, a hurt bait fish, and then the largemouth bass will come up and grab it off the top of the water because it thinks that this fish is hurt, and it's easy prey. Then there's this one. This is another one. The bottom of it's kind of orange, so it makes it look like it's hurt too. But it's, it's got a fin on the front that makes it dive down a little bit deep. This one's got a, a small fin, so it makes it dive down to about four to six feet. So if the fish are right in that range of four to six feet, I'll use this one. It'll dive down there. It'll be right by the fish, and hopefully they'll bite it. Here's another lure. I'll show you this one. This one's quite interesting. See how shiny it is? Isn't it shiny? Oh, man, it's got a nice red mark. It's green on top. This one's got a great big bill. This is about a 12-foot depth one. So if the fish is at 12 feet, I'll use this one. Now, this one, there's something interesting about this one. Uh, there's something you need to know about lures. There are certain lures that catch fish. And then there are certain lures that catch fishermen in the store. This is a lure that catches fishermen in the store. This lure, worthless. It's absolutely worthless. It does not catch fish. It caught me for $3.50, and that's exactly what they wanted. But it doesn't do what it's supposed to, which is catch fish. In the meantime, you'll look at this one and go, well, that one can't possibly catch fish. It doesn't even look like a fish. It's not even that shiny like the other one was. This one catches fish all day long. This lure has looked this way for 70 years. This is a cam loop. And it's been catching fish for 75 years, nonstop, all the time, in all kinds of applications. You say, Pastor Mark, that just, like somebody, that just looks like somebody cut off the end of a spoon and stuck a hook on it. That's exactly right. That's what they did. And it flops around in the water, and it's shiny, and it looks like a fish. And a larger fish comes and grabs that bait because it's attracted to it. See, that's the point. What Jesus is saying is that a fisher of men is someone that attracts people to Jesus. If you're going to be a fisher of men, then that's what you have to learn to do. You have to learn how to attract people to Jesus. Well, have you noticed in our culture that there are lots of things trying to attract us? <laughs> there are, aren't there? There's all kinds of things trying to attract our attention, vie for our attention, pull us into its schemes, into its marketing. In fact, some of the people that are the best at that are starting this morning. Do you know who that is? 49ers. The NFL, that's right, the 49ers. <laughs> yes. Now, they're not doing a very good job because when you lose all the time, you're not attracted. Ooh is right. But if you win, you're attracting people. We'll talk about that a little bit later. I'll talk about what a win is. 
But here's what's interesting. There's all kinds of things vying for our attraction today. I think even I could put some things on the end of my line this morning that would attract you. Like if I put this on the end of my line and I just waved it over your head for a minute, I'll bet you, I'll bet you I could find someone. Hold him down, Dad. Oh, oh, he just missed it. I'll bet you I could find someone that would just love this. Oh, there's someone right there. Oh, yes, I found one. Way to go. All right, thank you. Nice job. Are you wanting to take offering? Go for it. Take offering. I don't care. I forgot. I forget tons of things. Let me put something else on here. Here's a really good bait. This is a, this is a chief bait of the American culture. It catches all of us all the time. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. You don't need it? Anyone over here? Lenny? No? No? Oh. Well, ah! Whoa! Man! I had, a, I had a school of them. I had a whole school of them. I wish I could get that in the lake. Tons of them just going after my bait. See, that's what's happening in the world. It's, there's all kinds of things vying for our attraction. But Jesus is actually saying, you know what? Here's, here's what I need you to do. I need you to be a person that's giving away stuff. I need you to be people that have stuff on the end of your line that are attracting people to me, something like unconditional love. How about you? Maybe you're here this morning and this is exactly what you need. You need some unconditional love. You need some of that? Grab some. Isn't that what our world needs? Now, I wish it was that easy. I wish it was that easy to just put something on the end of this hook. I wish it was super easy with the last person you got in a fight with and it just became really easy for you to throw this on the end of your line and just give them some forgiveness. <laughs> Anybody need some of this? Push hard. There you go. And then lastly, what Jesus is really asking all of us to do is to be that kind of person that is always dangling eternal life everywhere we go. This is what it means to be a fisher of men. That everywhere we go in our life, we're dangling eternal life before people. Now, the real way that we dangle eternal life, we're going to talk about over the next three weeks, but it really boils down to just the way we live. The way we serve Jesus, the way we love Jesus, just the way we are as a person before the world around us. That we're humble and kind and loving, gentle and peaceful, not judgmental, joyful, that we know how to smile. Just simple things. And while we're living for Jesus, we're dangling that eternal life before people because what we've learned is that it's the most important thing in our life and we need to give it away. And we need to be attracting the world with our love and our acceptance, our forgiveness and joy, our self-control and our peace. See, I think deep down inside, that's really what we all want. But it's up to us 
as followers of Jesus Christ, as believers, to be giving it away. And if our life doesn't look this way, then there's a challenge. Because I don't know if you've noticed what I've noticed, but I've noticed that the church is losing people at a rapid rate. Have you noticed that? We're having a hard time attracting people into the church. We're having a hard time getting out there into the world and attracting people to the Jesus that we know. Now, there's probably several reasons for that. Maybe one of them is because the baits and lures of the world are so enticing. I would say yes to that. I've, I've swallowed some of the world's bait. It is enticing, especially today. All of us have a selfish nature inside of us. It's called our sinful nature. And our world today is saying, you can live however you want, whenever you want to live that way. And nobody is going to say a thing about it to you. Boy, that's appealing. That sounds like a great way to live. Until you go around that corner with no guardrails, with no boundaries, and you end up flipping down that hillside. And you realize, man, life hurts this way. Life hurts when you're stuck in an addiction that people said, oh, yeah, go for it. By the way, it's legal now. No problem. I think it's interesting. I don't know if you've noticed this like I've noticed. Now, we're, we've only been vaping now for about five years, and we've already noticed this is such a horrible habit. Have you noticed in the news we've already had several deaths just due to something that we just launched about five years ago and said, hey, this is great. This will replace cigarettes. It's wonderful. It's killing people faster than cigarettes do. It's killing them real fast, not slowly, quickly. And we think, well, it's whatever I want to do, so it must be nice, must be good. Maybe, maybe we're seeing these challenges because the church isn't using its best baits and lures. Could be. Maybe we're not using our baits and lures appropriately. Just like me and my fishing pole, maybe, maybe we tie that lure on and we think it's going to attract people to Jesus, but it never really does. It looks good to us. Like we go out into the world and we think, you know what? It pro probably what that guy needs is just a swift kick in the pants. He needs a good judgmental talk about everything he's doing wrong. And I'll bet that would just attract him to Jesus. And so we fire off some good judgment Maybe it's a nice little one-liner. We think we're sarcastic and funny, but really it's just judgment, and it doesn't go very far. And we learn what we thought might attract someone to Jesus isn't attracting them to Jesus at all. It's a bait that doesn't work. Maybe, maybe we say, oh, well, yeah, my grandparents' church is, used to do that, and it worked really well. Well, I'm sorry. Nobody listens to singing quartets anymore. They just don't. It's not attracting people to Jesus. What attracted, if you're over 40, what attracted you to Jesus is not what attracts people to Jesus anymore. And so if you're over 40 and you're thinking, I've got a great idea about something that attracted me to Jesus, we should do that today. <laughs> Ain't gonna work. Listen, I'm a 46-year-old pastor, and often in our staff meetings, our staff has to go, Pastor Mark, yes, we love you. <laughs> you know we love you, right? Yeah, that's old. <laughs> nobody's, nobody's doing that. 
You know what Facebook is, Pastor Mark? <laughs> Seriously, they tell me that all the time. I said, it was just on my face page the other day. I was snapgramming somebody just last week. <laughs> See, what worked yesterday doesn't work today. And we have to adjust. We have to change. Now, there's some things that don't change. We know that Jesus will never change, and we know that his saving work will never change. We know that the cross doesn't change. The resurrection doesn't change. Our theology doesn't change. God's word doesn't change. But the way we attract fish with the right bait needs to change. And that takes us right into this idea of what it means to be a fisher of men. Now look with me at Matthew chapter 4. I want to read the whole section to us, 18 to 25. And then I want to point out two things that Jesus asked the disciples to do. While walking by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who was called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Immediately, they left their nets and followed him. And going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, in the boat with Zebedee, their father, mending their nets, and he called them. Immediately, they left the boat and their father and followed him. And he went throughout all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction among the people. So his fame spread throughout all Syria. And they brought him all the sick, those afflicted with various diseases and pains, those oppressed by demons, those having seizures and paralytics, and he healed them. And great crowds followed him from Galilee and the Decapolis and from Jerusalem and Judea and from beyond the Jordan. Now, this is the beginning. This is the very beginning of uh, Jesus calling people into discipleship and what it means to make disciples, to be a disciple, and to help other people believe in Jesus. So this is the beginning, and I want us to notice two things that Jesus asked the disciples to do right at the beginning of Jesus' ministry, and that is the first one is to change their lifestyle. Jesus asked them to completely change their lifestyle. And then second, Jesus asked them to simply follow him around. Now, the first thing is interesting. Jesus asked them to change their lifestyle. Now, this is a big word today, isn't it? Because there's all kinds of lifestyles we're throwing out there today in our culture. And there were all kinds of lifestyles that were happening at this time 2,000 years ago. In particular, these four men had a lifestyle, and their lifestyle was to fish every day. Sounds good to me? Amen. Amen. <laughs> Got one. That's good. Jacques and I are changing our lifestyle. We're becoming fishermen. Now, it wasn't something they did for weekend fun. It's not something they had a tackle box for and a pole and uh, a bass boat. This was their life. It was how they provided food for their families. It's the fish that they sold in the market took care of them. It's how they bought clothes and had a house and 
maybe bought a horse and got firewood to cook with and stay warm with in the winter. See, fishing was not just something they did as a hobby. Fishing was their life. It was the family business. And they weren't just taking care of themselves. They were taking care of their families, their parents, their grandparents. There were no social services. There was no socialism. There was no social security. There was just the brothers taking care of the family by fishing every day and selling their fish and making money. And this is their lifestyle. And Jesus comes along and says, I want you to change your entire life. I want you to walk away from this lifestyle and I want you to follow me. That's the first step to saying yes to Jesus. Change your lifestyle. I remember when Jesus did this for me. I was 18 years old. I was in high school and I knew everything. So in my mind, I had a plan. It was absolutely 100% going to work. I was going to go to university on scholarship and play baseball. And then I was going to become a major league baseball player because I was so good. And I would make millions of dollars and my life would be so happy. That was my plan. And it was going to work because I was 18 years old. And when I had something in my mind, it's absolutely going to work, right? Not. Didn't happen. Not going to work. One, because I wasn't that good. But two, because Jesus asked me a different question. After my senior year of high school, I, I went to camp. And at camp, Jesus asked me the same question he asked these four guys. Will you change your life? Will you change what you think about your present and your future? And will you do something different for me? And you know what I said? No. <laughs> I said, no. No, I won't do that. I like, I like playing baseball. It's been my life so far. It's what I enjoy. I love you too, Jesus. And, I, and you know, it's Jesus and baseball, and one day it's maybe one or the other, but this is what I love to do. And so I said, no. But about a month and a half of the Holy Spirit hounded me in a good way, in a loving way. About mid-August, I finally relented, and I finally said yes. I finally said yes to Jesus, but I said, Jesus, we've got a problem now. The Bible college that you wanted me to attend, the applications had to be in by July 1st. So I guess there's really no way they're going to accept me and I should just go play baseball, right? <laughs> and Jesus said, what? Turn in the application. You're going. And I did. And they said, yes. And I went. And here I am 24 years later. I've been in ministry and look at what God's done in Cheney. Now, not because of something I did, but because something Jesus asked me to do. Now, can I just tell you that story for this reason? Jesus wants to do that with you too. He wants to do the exact same thing with you. There are people all around you that he wants you to influence and touch and minister to and bring to Jesus. They're all around you and you can do it because the Holy Spirit is powerful in you. So the first thing, the first step is to change your lifestyle. Secondly, Jesus simply asked them to follow him around. I find that interesting. He didn't ask him to do anything yet. 
This is the beginning. Now in about a year and a half, he's going to start pushing them out of the nest a little bit and ask them to start going out and doing some things. But right now, all Jesus asked them to do was follow him around. All I want you to do is watch. Watch me. Watch me preach. Watch me teach. Watch me love on people. Watch the way that I interact with that prostitute. Watch the way that I treat that leper. Listen to the way that I talk to that tax collector. I just want you to hang around with me and just watch me heal the sick. Listen to what I say about life and how it should be lived and how much I love you and and how God the Father wants you to live your life. See, the second step to becoming a fisher of men is to simply watch someone else that's a fisher of men. So you may say, Pastor Mark, I don't know how to be a fisher of men. Well, find someone else that's doing it and ask them if you can hang around and watch. And what you'll learn is pretty soon that wisdom will fall upon you. Proverbs says, if you want to be wise, hang out with the wise. Jesus was very intentional with the disciples. He wanted them to simply hang out and watch and learn and listen so that in the end, they could learn how to be like him. And if you're just beginning your relationship with Jesus, this is why we ask you at Cheney Faith Center to go through the Rooted Experience. Because in the Rooted Experience, it gives you a great opportunity to hang out and learn and read God's Word and uh, break some strongholds in your life and learn how to pray and hear some great stories about what Jesus has done and other people and learn how to share your story. All of those things are essential for you as a believer in Jesus Christ. And so Rooted is a great way to begin your relationship with Jesus. And we just happen to be starting a Rooted class in a couple weeks. So sign up. Rooted also a great way Maybe you've been a Christian for a long time. Maybe you've been a Christian for 20 or 30 years and you're saying, Pastor Mark, something's missing. I haven't shared Jesus with anybody in five years. I think I've forgotten how. Go to Rooted. Just let it be a spark in your life again to remind you how great it is to share Jesus with people around you. So if you haven't done Rooted, I want to highly encourage you to attend Rooted this fall. You can sign up online in just a couple days. Now, here's what's interesting. Jesus asked them to change their lifestyle, to follow him around and learn. But the third step happens at the end of the book of Matthew, at the end of Jesus' life. It's what we call the Great Commission. It's in Matthew chapter 28. So turn there with me. So at the beginning of Jesus' life, here he is calling disciples and asking them to follow him. But the third step of learning to be a fisher of men is this. You go do it. It's just that simple. You go do it. Tell your neighbor, you go do it. Go ahead. Hmm. It is 12 o'clock. Are you up? 
Let's try that again. Tell your neighbor, you go do it. There we go. There we go. Now we're talking. I wasn't even sure. I think you guys were still sleeping in. Wow. In Matthew 28, 19 to 20, Jesus said, you go do it. He said, go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teach them to obey everything I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. See, Jesus said, you go do it. You've watched me do it. I've died on the cross and I've risen again. The Holy Spirit is going to descend upon you and you'll have God's presence and power in you. So guess what? You go do it. That is the same word for us today. Can I give you the same commission that Jesus gave his disciples? Can I give that same commission to you this morning? You go do it. Where you work, you go do it. Go live for Jesus. Present Jesus to a lost and hurting world at your workplace. You go do it at the park close to your house. You go do it with your neighbors. You go do it with your family. You be the one to live for Christ. These words are powerful. These words help us know what it means to be a fisher of men. Go, make disciples, baptize, teach, observe. Jesus is saying, you go do it. This is what it means to fish for people. And this is what we want every single one of us at Cheney Faith Center learning how to do, how to help others know Jesus and live for him daily. You can do it. Over this past year, the year of 2019, we've seen 69 people believe in Jesus for the first time. Isn't that good news? Yeah, let's give the Lord a hand. There's been 14 people that have gotten baptized in water. 22 people went through rooted last year or or last spring. And I I think we should double or triple that number. Amen. Probably many of you in this room haven't gone through rooted yet. You need to let it jumpstart your faith. We have about 70 people in life teams. And honestly, we need to about quadruple that at the size of church we're at. We should have a lot more people in life teams. Now, you may be saying, Pastor Mark, what does this really look like? If the rubber's meeting the road, how do I really do this? I get it. You want me to go and do it. I've got it. I want to do it, but I'm not sure I know how. What's that process going to look like? Now, we have a process here at our church that helps us make a disciple. Three catchphrases. Do you know what they are? That's right. No, grow, go. That's how we make a disciple. We help somebody know Jesus or believe in Jesus for the first time. Then we help them grow in Christ. And we continue to grow in Christ all the days of our life until we go to see Jesus in heaven. And then we go. We become a disciple maker ourselves. We become that person that takes somebody else by the hand and begins showing them the word and helping them live for Jesus. Now you say, Pastor Mark, I, I, I need you to break it down even more. Okay. Say, Pastor Mark, what do I specifically need to do to start living like a fisher of men tomorrow morning? Let me give you a couple things. Number one, pray. Pray. That's the first thing you should do. Start praying. Start praying for everyone you know that doesn't know Jesus. 
everyone in your family, all your neighbors, your coworkers, people on the other side of the world, whoever it might be, the, the little kid you gave a bite to go pack it to on Friday, whoever it might be, start praying for everyone that you know that doesn't believe in Jesus. Second, live for Jesus. If you're not living for Jesus, here's reality. You're not attracting anyone to Jesus. If you're trying to live in the world and for Jesus and you mix the two and people see you living in the world one day and living for Jesus another, you're not attracting anyone. You're like that lure I threw in the corner. It doesn't catch fish. So secondly, you and I have to live for Jesus all the time. We have to say no to the world and we have to say yes to Jesus. We have to say no to our own lifestyle, say yes to his. We have to say no to our own ideas and let God's word transform our thinking so we believe and think like God does. It's hard to do, but it's a must. Third, develop relationships. Find people around you that don't know Jesus and just start hanging out with them. Just start being in relationship with them. Invite them over to your house. Have a barbecue with them. Take them to coffee. Go to a baseball game with them. Just live life with them. Start a relationship with someone. You say, but Pastor Mark, I'm not a people person. Well, if you want to be a fisher of men, you're going to have to be a people person, at least with one person. Like, here's, here's reality. Take them fishing, yes, take them fishing. Once they're in a boat, they can't get out, right? Especially if the lake's cold. They're not jumping in. So now, now you get to just have a great relationship and a great talk with them, right? Well, you may say, Pastor Mark, I, I'm not a people person. You know what? You can handle one person. I believe it. And I know that people are different. Some of us, we walk into a big group of people and we can, we can be the life of the party and we can have 30 or 50 people around us and it can be great and that's just our personality and we, we're outgoing like that. You say, Pastor Mark, I'm an introvert. Yeah, but even introverts can have a relationship with one person. So if you're an introvert, find that one person. Find that one person that you can hang out with and begin to talk to them about Jesus, which leads to the next one, which is have spiritual conversations. If you and I are going to be good at being fishers of men in 2019 and beyond, then that means we're going to have to be good at having spiritual conversations, talking to people about God. And that means, yes, sometimes we might have to try to answer a big question. You say, Pastor Mark, I don't know how to answer big theological questions. That's why I bring them to church and ask you to do it. That's not the best way to do it. The best way to do it is for you to answer the question because they're watching you. They're watching the Jesus in you. You say, Pastor Mark, I don't know the answer. Okay, then say that. I don't know the answer to that question, but could I have a week to study on that and get back to you? And they'll probably say, yeah, because that's their question. Yeah. They want an answer to the question. They want to know why there's so much evil in the world if God is so good. Well, there's a great answer to that question. Go figure it out and answer the question for them. I'm not going to give it to you right now because I want you to study on it. It's a great answer. Here's what's interesting. There was a Barna poll done about five years ago in middle schools. They, they talked to about 
Um, about 150,000 middle schoolers in middle schools all over the country. And one of the questions they asked was this. What's one thing you would like to talk about at school that you don't get to talk about? Guess what 85% of them said? God. Here's what I'm going to tell you. I think our world is hungry for spiritual conversation. And here's why. We've raised three generations that we've said, you can't talk about him. And guess what happens when you tell any of us what we can't do? That's what we want to do, <laughs> especially middle school, right? If you tell me I can't talk about God, then that, guess what I want to do? I want to talk about God. Tell me about him. And all of us have a God-shaped hole in our heart, so all of us are wanting to know who is Jesus, why do I see these crosses around and what do they mean? Talk to people about Jesus. Eventually, that's going to lead to the next thing, which is you just need to make the big ask. Invite them to believe in Jesus. It's scary. It takes courage. But learn how to get into a spiritual conversation with them. And after you've asked a bunch of questions, you can simply ask, what do you think about Jesus? What do you think might happen if... If you die tomorrow, would you go to heaven? Learn how to ask a question, invite them to believe in Jesus. Lastly is continue to help them grow until they're making a disciple. So once somebody has said yes to Jesus, don't just leave them there. You be the one to start taking them to coffee and talking to them about Jesus and reading the word together and reading through scripture together and doing a Bible study together. Invite them to Rooted and go to Rooted with them and then invite them to your life team and invite them into your life every single week and ask them to serve Jesus with you. You become their discipler. Lastly, how can we fulfill the mission Jesus has given us to be fisher of people in Chini and beyond. We're gonna talk about this for several more weeks, but I just wanna give you one thing that I believe helps us stay on mission together, and that is relational environments. When you are in an environment in our church where you are in relationship with other believers, you'll stay on task. That's how it works. If you try to be a sheep, all alone out there, hanging out with the wolves, it's going to be hard. But if you hang out with all the other sheep, it's going to be a lot easier. See, what we know is very true, that when we do life together, it's easier. And we accomplish a whole lot more together. When you have friendships in the church, you're going to get a lot more done. And you're going to feel a lot more supported to help people know Jesus and live for him daily. See, there's something very powerful about being connected with other believers on another day besides Sunday morning. Sunday morning, we're gonna come in. We're not very connected. We're gonna leave. Now, hopefully you grab somebody and you go to lunch and you talk about Jesus. And you talk about what we just talked about this morning. But if you don't, if you just head on with your day, then you didn't connect very well. That's why we have life teams and Rooted and men's groups, and women's groups, and youth groups, and all these other smaller groups where we want you to get plugged in 
to another relational environment so that you can grow in Jesus and learn how to go for Jesus as well. See, we're a team. And a church is like a team. Let me ask you a question this morning. As we start this NFL season, and today is week one, I want you to raise your, raise your hand big and high if you want your team to lose today. Oh, nobody? You mean you want to start with a win? That's right. You did, Big Green. That's right. Big Green started with a win on Thursday, didn't they? Nobody saw that coming. That was like a 49er win. Man, it was a pipe dream. <laughs> we all want to win, don't we? You want your team to win today. Let me ask you a question. You want Jesus to win? Amen. You want the church to win? What does a win look like for us? A win looks like somebody saying yes to Jesus for the first time. A win looks like somebody saying yes to get baptized. A win is you obeying the Holy Spirit instead of the temptation from the world. That's a win. A, a win is you finishing rooted. A win is breaking a stronghold because you read a verse in God's word and you said, I've got to stand on that promise instead of what I think. A win is taking someone to coffee and teaching them what you know about Jesus. Amen. See, I think it's time for us to become fishers of people, to start filling all these chairs in every service and to start seeing a lot of big wins for Jesus. Amen? If you're with me, would you stand? Jesus said three things this morning. If you want to be a fisher of men, these three things need to be evident in your life. Change your lifestyle. Follow people around that are fishers of men. Follow Jesus too. And lastly, you go do it. Go do it. You can. Jesus has given you the power inside you. He placed his Holy Spirit in you when you said yes to Jesus so that you could be a witness in the world today. So I want to encourage you. If Jesus is inside you, you have everything you need. Just go do it. Would you pray with me? Jesus, we thank you for today. We thank you for what you're speaking to us and what you're teaching us. We recognize that there are people all around us. I want you to just think right now about some people around that are in your life that don't know Jesus. Just think about them right now. Put their faces in your mind. Lord, these people need you. These individuals are people that you died for, that you want to set free from the snares of the enemy. And Lord, what's crazy is you want to use us in this process. 
We know that you could do it all on your own, but for some reason, you, you want to use us. And so we ask you to help us become fishers of men. Help us to become people that pray and live for you and learn how to develop relationships and ask those hard spiritual questions and, and then just invite people into relationship with you and then continue the process of helping them grow in you. Lord, could you help each of us to make this our life? To see the people around us as people you love. And would you give us your love for them? Our love would fade, Lord, but your love wouldn't. So would you, would you replace our love with your love so that we might see them like you do and never give up on them and just love them till they get saved. We give you thanks and praise, Lord, that that's what you've called us to. What an honor to be a part of what you're doing today. Would you help us with that? In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.